Thank you for joining us for this podcast series from Citadel Chambers, a leading and progressive set of barristers specialising in crime and situated in the heart of Birmingham. We'll be taking a close look at the issues that impact on the cases the barristers deal with in court. If you're a barrister at another chambers, or if you're thinking about becoming a barrister, you'll be interested in our special podcasts about the working lives of the barristers at Citadel Chambers. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a range of experts from Citadel, from Queen's Council through to their junior barristers. They can all be contacted via the Citadel website, citadelchambers.com. We hope you enjoy this podcast. In this podcast, we talk to Martin Butterworth, who is in the process of retiring. Over the years, he's recruited and supervised many pupils, and we discuss the attributes he looked for in those pupils. Martin joined the bar as a mature entrant, following time in the military and then in the finance industry. He was appointed a Crown Court Recorder in 2003 and has been ranked as a Grade 4 Prosecutor for many years. With over 30 years as a criminal advocate, Martin has prosecuted and defended across the entire spectrum of criminal offending. He has a particular interest and expertise in cases involving firearms, ballistics and death by dangerous driving. Martin, hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. Fine, thank you, Rebecca. So when did you become a barrister? Um, 1985, I was called to the bar. So what's that, 36 years? Martin, you just don't look old enough. You don't look old enough. (laughs) No, that's what I keep saying. Um, Yeah, and I I completed pupillage a year after that, of course. So strictly speaking, it was 1986 when I became a barrister. So just run me through your career, because, I mean, you're just, re- you're just retiring now and I mean, you've had a really successful career. So uh, can you give us an overview of how it's progressed and um, what others might look to as a, in a career as a barrister? Well, um, as, as you know, I, I came to the bar by what was then quite an unusual route. I joined the army at 17 and left in my early 20s and um, messed around in the sort of finance industry and various other things and went to the bar as a mature student, it was called then, I don't know what it is now, without the benefit of A-levels. I was taken by Coventry Poly, um, now Coventry University, as a mature student to do business law and I just fell into crime and mooting and debating and ended up coming to the bar so it was always going to be crime and nothing else um, actually interested me really and that's what I've been doing ever since. So and how did you how did you find your um, chambers and how did that happen for you? How did you come to Citadel? I was approached by the in fact deputy head of chambers at Coleridge Chambers which was a previous incarnation of um, Citadel, really, although Coleridge and another chambers in Birmingham merged in the 90s. So I went to what was a very small criminal set, quite new in Birmingham, called Coleridge Chambers. I think there were 11 or 12 tenants at that time. And um, I was uh, the pupil of the head of chambers, Simon Brand. He was a very well-known character, and a very fine advocate in Birmingham, but but he retired some some years ago, and 
then Coleridge, as I've said, merged with number four Fountain Court and became Citadel Chambers. And since then, we've, of course, become quite a large yeah. set of chambers. Um, we do have people that do things other than crime, but it's principally a criminal set. So that's what I've been doing, really. Yeah. And how did you find your learning over those years? You know, did you see yourself progress and as a barrister? And what, what did you really see in your own development at Citadel? What I learned was the most important aspect of, of being a criminal barrister, really, is to keep a careful grip of your professional integrity and compassion, actually. I think those are the two things I'd say to people who want to become criminal barristers. Compassion can easily get whittled away after years of doing the job. And you do see it some people, and a lot of people recognise that that they've become cynical. And if, if you don't have compassion, you should stop doing it, really. Because the work obviously touches an awful lot of people's lives. And so that's important. And, and integrity, by that I mean, you've got to be very careful not to be led by your clients, the lay clients, and sometimes professional clients who can be very keen to ensure that their, their client um, gets the result they want. Dealing with sometimes experienced criminals means that, that they're precisely the sort of people that expect to steer from their barrister and will want to receive a bit of help here and there with the best defence rather than the barrister, as of course you must, simply presenting the client's instructions, obviously to the best of your ability and in the best way that, that, that they're capable of being um, promoted. But it's very difficult sometimes to, to spot when uh, someone is just trying to get you to give them a bit of a steer on this piece of evidence or that. And um, I suppose an obvious example is when uh, drafting a defence statement for someone or an alibi in, in a defence statement. They used to be called alibi notices. But uh, it's very easy, if you're not careful, for a client to to wait to see what you think is the best direction to go, particularly if the alibi that they've asked you to draft is inconsistent with other pieces of evidence. So it's those things. And do you soon see what, what the risks are and what the challenges are, but you've really, you've really got to keep an eye on it at all times, because as I, I've always said to pupils, don't allow yourself to be prostituted by becoming a spokesperson for your lay client particularly or your professional client who again solicitors will sometimes hope that you'll push a line or emphasize this or that which isn't quite proper so finally i'd say keep an eye on your professional rules of conduct they're quite complicated but if you've got a grip of those then everything else should flow from it and i suppose turning for help also is really important if you're not sure in certain situations you can always ask can't you or ask others yeah uh, that's that's the beauty of, uh, of of the chamber system really for, for members of the bar and C citadel and coleridge before it have always been very important to me in that there's always a someone senior above you who's always completely open to a conversation at whatever time of the day or night if you want some help you'll always find it from from somebody in chambers which is um very helpful 
Yeah, that's good. It's that community, isn't it? It's really important. Yeah, it is. It is a community. Yeah. So what would you like to see for in the future? Because obviously, you know, things do change over time. What What would you like to see for barristers and for the criminal justice system? Well, obviously, I'm going to say it should be properly rewarded. That's a big problem for people. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to bang, bang the drum too loudly because everyone that's interested in this conversation will know perfectly well what the problems have been with the criminal bar and the, the falling away of proper payment. And um, it's caught a lot of people out. The fact that what has been the fee structure just hasn't really followed the sorts of fees you could expect in, in other professions and People have taken on commitments that, again, inflation and all those other pressures have just diminished to the point of, uh, for a lot of people, to the point of um, close disaster. So proper payment, and that's improved a bit, but it's still nowhere near where it should be, to be honest. Nobody realises how hard the work is, and it is terribly hard work at the criminal bar particularly. It is elsewhere, but if you're doing publicly funded work, you've got to have the throughput really to to make a proper living at it. A lot of people are doing it without being paid properly at all, but they still want to do it because it's important. And and also that then affects the actual criminal justice system altogether, doesn't it? Because it it puts people off coming to work within it um, and it affects the speed of things going through, doesn't it? Yeah, and and if people are properly paid, they're never going to be tempted to to try and run a case in a way which maximises the the fee that's going to be available to them. I I don't think barristers actually very often do that, but it, it can be a temptation if you're not paying your mortgage to to do that. And I don't think that the people that hold the purse strings really understand that that if you're paying someone very poorly, then there'll always be the inclination to to do that and to extend a case when when it shouldn't be and it's not being completely unknown at the criminal bar, but that's the risk of not paying people properly for the sort of difficult work they do. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what about defendants and victims? Um, how could the system improve for them? What would you like to see for them? Well, for defendants and for victims, of course, we we call people who are who have yet to be proved to be a victim, we call them complainants, but um, it's the same thing, really. Justice has to speed up. It has to be done quickly and more efficiently. And the sort of backlogs which um, everyone's struggling with at the moment is, well, it's a scandal, actually. And it's not just been brought about by COVID um, or the recent problems over fees. It's been building up. And so that's the main thing that needs to be sorted out, I think. And, of course, everything's crumbling around judges and barristers that that comes down to to money. Politicians just don't see the value of a good criminal justice system, unfortunately. It doesn't win any votes for them. What they think is the way to win votes is to lock everyone up. Of course, that doesn't work. It's the worst possible thing. And I think research has shown that victims actually, once it's been explained to them, don't really actually want that. They they usually want people not to do it again. Yes, that's ultimately what you want, isn't it? Yeah. So those are the two things, I think. Speed of justice for for defendants and for for witnesses and complainants and victims if they become a victim. So what advice would you give to anyone becoming a barrister or who's early in their careers at the moment? Be, be aware of your physical and mental health. That's good advice. Well, it's. I think it's ignored because you have to work so hard. I think people do tend to overdo it. 
for, for all the right sorts of reasons. And the knock-on effect of that can be that you you don't pay proper attention to your to your family, you know, your partner, your children, or everything else in your life, because it can take you over. So just be aware of that and don't let it overtake you, really. And I suppose I'd say that part of that as well is taking decent holidays, but it's very difficult if you're self-employed um, to do that because you take the double whammy of not earning any money and having to pay for the holiday. There's lots of advice available for people who are coming to the to the bar, but I think those are the two, th- two or three things where where newcomers need to really keep a close eye on it. And I suppose a lot of that comes down to good financial management and budgeting at home. And not everybody's particularly good at that or however you are. And I think that getting some help on that front can often be a good thing, can't it? Yeah. There's character building to get yourself out of a financial hole, though, isn't it? I think. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, nobody ever does that. Like, nobody ever plans for their pension and all those things. I could give that sort of advice. Um, it was given to me and I ignored it like everyone else. So. <laughs> oh, it's all right. I'll look after you, Martin. No, you're retired. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'll take you out for a quick sandwich. I won't let you starve, mate. <laughs> well, that's really helpful. Thank you, Martin. That's great. You take care. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by Citadel Chambers, a leading and progressive set of barristers specialising in crime and situated in the heart of Birmingham. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers in this podcast episode, then please visit our website, citadelchambers.com. All the views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. If you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation, then please talk to us directly to obtain professional advice. Thank you.